This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Feldman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from our slightly different perspective. You know, yesterday's uh, blog and podcast about you know, realism seems to have struck uh, quite a re- responsive chord in many of you. It got a lot of interesting feedback and a lot of uh, affirmations that we're on the right track here. There's something about the way we interpret nature that gets everyone thinking. Now, it's taken us several years to get to this point, but the emerging philosophy within our community reflects a more nuanced position. Aesthetic-wise, our aquariums have never been more beautiful. The sheer talent out there is amazing. However, many hobbies who I correspond with regularly have communicated to me that something's been lacking in many scapes in recent years. I mean, every aquarium is beautiful in its own way. Every aquarium has attributes that we can all agree are awesome. Yet a smaller fraction of aquascapes just have that certain it factor that evokes something. Regardless of how they're conceived and set up, artistic, high concept, or natural style, whatever you want to call it, certain tanks have that something about them that seems hard to quantify. Yet others just sort of fall short by miles. For many years, I couldn't quite place it. Like, what could it be? I had to really contemplate this. I mean, there's a lot of great work out there. What makes a great aquascape, well, great is not just the materials that it uses. And this is something we've seen a lot. I mean, sure, they can help. However, they're only part of the story. We see so much talk online about the excitement over some new type of rock or wood. I'm like, really? There's new rock or wood? Who the hell is making this stuff? And there's a certain percentage of the aquarium world that thinks that this is the key to creating bold new work, using the new rock to create some, you know, the same old Iwagumi or Dioramascape. It's not really new, right? I mean, it... I personally don't feel that it's advancing the hobby, really. We all know how to advance the hobby. It's about applying the philosophy, the idea, the talent, and the execution, uh, doing new things boldly. It's not simply the materials making the scape. Utilizing specific materials may give you an edge. Perhaps it will evoke something, yet they're just materials if not used in a unique way. I think that the majority of hobbyists know this, yet this idea that this rock, wood, botanical, whatever, will be the key to a great scape sort of lingers out there. However, I think there is something that we can apply to our work. A philosophy truly really doesn't care what materials you utilize in your scape. I think I know what it is, really. It's a concept which is truly inspired by nature. It's wabi-sabi again, something that's been on my mind a lot lately. Remember this philosophy? We've talked about it before. In its most simplistic and literal form, the Japanese philosophy of wabi-sabi is an acceptance and contemplation of the imperfection, the constant flux, and the impermanence of all things. This philosophy absolutely is applicable to the art and science of aquarium keeping. Indeed, I think it's foundational. This is a very interesting philosophy, one which has been embraced in aquascaping circles by none other than the great, great Takashi Amano, who suggested that an aquarium is in constant flux and that one needs to contemplate, embrace, and enjoy the sweet sadness of the transience of life in this context. It's about accepting the changes which occur in aquariums over time, enjoying each phase. And many of Amano's greatest works embraced this philosophy and evolved over time as various plants would alternately thrive, spread, and decline, reworking and reconfiguring the aquascape with minimal human intervention. 
and each phase of the aquascape's existence brought a new beauty and a new joy to, you know, those who would observe the work. Now, did you get the part about the minimal human intervention? I mean, it implies that an aquarium has, you know, sort of to be left set up long enough for the plants, in this case, to thrive, decline, etc. In other words, you set it up for the long run. Yet, in today's, you know, contest-driven, uh, Instagram-fueled, break-down-the-tank-after-the-show world, this philosophy of appreciating change by nature over time seems to have been sort of tossed aside, you know, as we move on to the next scape. It's all about, you know, sketch it out, set it up, photograph it, edit it, share it, break it the F down, and move on to the next one. Sure, it might be a product of our current social media-fueled environment, and that's the easy thing to blame it on. But I think it's a little deeper than that. I think it's a reflection of the lack of patience, which has somehow crept into the craft part of the aquarium hobby. It might be a cultural thing. This desire to achieve immediate gratification for our work, which in reality denies us the opportunity to see it evolve into something truly special. And that's almost tragic, in my opinion. In fact, I can't help but wonder if Mr. Romano would feel the same. Many of the, you know, those beautiful aquariums that you see splashed all over the internet aren't even typically left up long enough for nature to really do her thing. It's not about a few weeks or even a few months. It's about allowing processes which take many months or even years, you know, to arise and evolve aquascapes over long periods of time. And not all these processes are insta-beautiful, right? I mean, they often take time to go from what would be considered not so attractive to evolved and intricate, just like in nature, I mean, sure, you can do things like wrap wood or rocks with moss to get a kind of a mature look in some aspects of the scape, but you can't really rush the formation of patinas of biofilms and such, or in our case, the softening and the breakdown, the physical breakdown of botanical materials, stuff that really takes time to occur. And I suppose the time frame aspect makes it hard for many to appreciate wabi-sabi in many ways. As a hobby, we're simply not used to looking at things in our aquariums changing over long periods of time, the way nature organizes, evolves, and operates. We have our own hopes, needs, and desires for our aquariums and how they should look. We haven't traditionally seen things like decomposition, biofilms, algae, etc. as attractive in the context of our aquariums. Yet they're all integral you know, components of the something that is wabi-sabi. Something which requires us to have more faith in nature than many of us have had in recent years. At least in the context of our aquariums, that is. Now, when we talk about the use of natural materials in our aquatic, you know, hardscapes, such as leaves and other botanicals, which begin to degrade after a few weeks submerge, you can really understand the practicalities of this philosophy. It could be argued, perhaps, that the use of botanicals in aquariums by virtue of these attributes is the very essence of what wabi-sabi is about. I think we can learn to appreciate this transient aspect, and I think that in order to do that, a slightly different approach to our aquascaping is warranted. An approach that allows us as hobbyists to experience this in a slightly faster time time frame, perhaps. Patience is still huge, but the lessons learned a little bit more quickly. Yeah, we do it with botanicals. So, sure, a carefully constructed hardscape will almost always have some more or less permanent things like rocks and driftwood. And these take time to accumulate, you know, that, that patina of algae or biofilms or whatever that softens them a bit. Yet the, and these should be, you know, complemented and enhanced by degradable items like leaves as well as the softer seed pods and such which not only offer that sort of enhanced aesthetic look they offer enrichment and that's a broad term i know of the aquatic habitat through the release of tannins humic acids vitamins etc as they decompose just like they do in nature we're still trying to figure out some of those things 
as far as like what the exact benefits are, but it's beyond, you know, I think the simple debate that it, that there's something good there. Leaves and such are not, you know, they're simply not a permanent addition to our skates. And if we want to enjoy them in their more intact forms, we just need to replace them as soon as they start to break down. Some people do that. That's not really a bad thing. It's simply a way to use them to create a specific aesthetic and a permanent aquarium display. Much like flowers in a garden, leaves will have a period of time where they're, you know, crisp and in all their glory, real fresh looking, and followed by that gradual yet inevitable encroachment of biological decay. At this phase, you may opt to leave them in the aquarium to, in, you know, enrich the environment further and perhaps offer a new aesthetic. Or you can remove them and with freshly and replace them with fresh leaves and botanicals and sort of keep that, you know, aesthetic intact. Either way, it's a process that very much replicates what what occurs in nature: leaf drop, decomposition, materials getting swept downstream, etc. Decomposition, addition, renewal, change—all these things happen in nature. It's absolutely the crux of wabi sabi. And with the publishing of photos and videos of leaf-influenced scapes in recent years, there's been, you know, a lot of interest and more questions by hobbyists who've never really considered using these items in an aquascape before. And that's really cool because new people with new ideas and new approaches are, you know, are experimenting. We're trying all sorts of interesting things. And we are looking at nature as never before. We're celebrating the real diversity and the appearance of natural habitats as they really are. Diverse, rich, often turbid, and decidedly messy. And there's a real beauty in them that's both compelling and obvious when we observe them objectively. You know, nature unedited and unfiltered. Now, some hobbyists have commented that as their leaves and botanicals break down, the scape as initially presented changes significantly over time. Well, yeah, and whether they knew it or not, they're grasping wabi-sabi, sort of. One must appreciate rather than simply observe the beauty of the aquarium at various phases to really grasp that concept and appreciate it. And I think we are. I think many of us do. You know, finding those little vignettes, those little moments of fleeting beauty that they don't need to be permanent to enjoy them. Yeah, it's not just observing a certain something in our aquariums. It's a way of appreciating and embracing the processes by which nature evolves the world. I talk about this so much, I know. And yeah, it's a definite mental shift. Like we bring up a million times, but it's a good one. It's an important unlock, which may help you really appreciate the hobby and nature as you never did before. It's an affirmation that yes, there is a certain something to aquariums, which accept and adopt nature's processes and aesthetics in that unfiltered, unedited manner. A certain something that will advance the hobby. Something many of you are already doing each and every day. Stay bold, stay diligent, stay creative, stay engaged, stay excited. Stay thoughtful and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman. Thanks very much for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.